Sherm Chester, joined this week by Sam Bruno, and our special guest this week is Coach Jim Tufts. And Coach, we're going to start off with you. Uh, you are a lacrosse official, and I want you to give us the novices, uh, basically a lacrosse 101 primer. Okay. Uh, so there are uh, nine field players plus a goalie uh, that uh, play at one time, and you can have uh, six. In divide the field in half, you can have six on offense and six on defense, six field players. So um, there's an interchange there. Of, so there are attacking players, defending players, and midfield players who fill both roles. And there, within the midfield, there are defined roles too. There are offensive midfielders and defensive midfielders. So there's a lot of interchange like a hockey game with kids running on and running off and running on and running off and officials kind of have to pay attention to do you have the right numbers do you have people in the right places um, but offensively it's six versus six defensively it's six versus six and there's a whole lot of trans uh, transition in between so lacrosse is so it's interesting I uh, <clears throat> I had been a baseball guy uh, my son Kyle played baseball, high school, legion, all the way up through and went off to college to play baseball. And uh, Billy and Dave Shannon got me into officiating. And um, it's lacrosse is a great combination of, it was easy for me to pick up because it's a great combination of uh, basketball, soccer, hockey, um, in, in all the different facets. You set picks and run off of picks the way you would in a basketball game. Uh, you change on the fly, uh, and people are both offensive players and defensive players uh, the way you are in hockey. You know that you just have defensemen that go forward and score goals. Um, the transitions that you get in soccer. You know, in soccer, you hear coaches all the time talking about valuing the ball and not turning it over. Uh, basketball and soccer. So there's a lot of play in the midfield, which then leads to offense. Or if you make a mistake, it's transition, and all of a sudden you're back on defense. So um, under the tutelage of Billy Ball and Dave Shannon, um, it was relatively easy for me to pick up because it's a great combination of, of soccer, hockey, basketball um, in the way it flows. But the basics of it are there are three attack, three defense, three midfielders, but everybody's interchangeable. But at no time can you have more than six attacking or more than six defending. So coaches and officials are sort of, and, kid, and athletes are paying attention to the transition. Um, you know, who's going, who's staying, uh, what role you have. And, and um, just the same with the other sports, roles change. Now, what about penalties now? I mean, uh, how, you blow a whistle for what? So there are, there are um, the common things, out of bounds uh, and things like that, goals. But you have two particular kinds of fouls. Technical fouls are 30-second violations. So offsides, illegal procedure. Maybe I caught the ball with my free hand. Uh, maybe I pushed the player away with my free hand. Uh, maybe I um, 
pushed another player on the back while they were running away from me. Um, those are technical fouls, and they're served in 30-second increments. Okay. Or if the attacking team were to commit a person a technical foul, all they do is lose the ball. There's no time serving. They simply lose the ball, and the other team gets it. Personal fouls become a minute, two minutes, or three minutes, depending on the severity of the violation. So if I whack your stick with my stick, we're playing. If I whack you with my stick, I might get a slashing penalty for a minute. If I tee up and I whack you in the side of the head, I might go for, I might go for two minutes. Um, tripping, uh, cross check. So there are two kinds of fouls. Technical fouls, which are 30-second or loss of the ball, and personal fouls, which were, are one, two, or three minutes. And if they're, if they're really bad, violate if they're if, if they're really uh, uh, egregious, I can actually lock you in so that you have to serve the entirety of the penalty. So um, similar to a five minute major in hockey, you know, if I if I were to you know really have an egregious foul, I might we had one we had one yesterday in the game, locked a player in for two minutes. So regardless of the number of goals that were scored, that player was going to serve the entire two minutes. So that's a quick study. Sounds like, uh, like you say, a combination of all the sports, and especially one that you've been familiar with over the years of hockey too, right? Yeah. So when I, Billy was, this was 06, Kyle was a freshman up at UVM playing baseball. And Billy came in and was struggling to get officials here, officials there. And, and I looked at him, I said, Billy, I can officiate. I can, you know, I officiate lots of things, but you got to teach me something about lacrosse. He said, you're going with Dave Shannon tomorrow. And I did it two or three days with Dave. And that was that. Now, I'll do, and now, now you're hooked. <laughs> I'll do uh, 60 to hundred games this spring. Wow. Well, Sam, our, our Blue Hawk boys team uh, is off to a red hot start. Give the folks a perspective of what the, uh, what the guys have been doing, and and the girls' team, for that matter. Sure. I'm going into this uh, show today. Um, the Blue Hawks are coming off a tough loss, but it's against was against Bishop Girton, who is perennially perennially in the finals uh, every year. Uh, they lost to the Cardinals uh, this week. Blue Hawks are still on top by a half a game. They're nine and one. Bishop Girton is eight and one. So again. Uh, my personal feeling is when you play a top team like the Cardinals, uh, don't take a loss in the regular season too seriously. Uh, a loss in the playoffs means a lot more. So uh, you you had a practice game, and uh, you you hopefully there will be a repeat in the uh, Division One finals uh, coming up later in the season. Uh, right behind those right behind those two teams, Nashua South at seven and one. And Pinkerton at six and three, who uh, that's another team that is always uh, a team to reckon with uh, down the stretch. Uh, over on the girls' side, uh, the Exeter girls right in the middle of the pack there at five and three. Uh, best teams in the state uh, going into today's show uh, Bedford at nine and oh, and Bishop Girton at eight and oh. So uh, 
certainly Girton, the powerhouse in the state uh, as far as lacrosse is concerned. But uh, hopefully the Blue Hawks uh, uh, under new coach Matt Brewster uh, have something cooking right now. They're a juggernaut. Uh, The program that Matt Brewster inherited from Jerry Hawley obviously has a lot of talent on it. Scoring wise this year, they just keep rolling on. And I think, uh, Sam, you mentioned the game against Bishop Girton. That's a motivator. They lost it, but that's a motivator to just don't lose the focus, keep it rolling. Now, Jim, you've seen a lot of teams in Division One. Um, size them up for us. Uh, BG's, BG's the top team. And uh, that BG Exeter game, everybody was, I bet it was well attended because uh, every coach I talked to uh, throughout the last week was headed to watch that one. Um, One of the other nuances of um, lacrosse is the face-off. So it's as if uh, after every basket, you went back to center court and had another tip uh, jump ball. Um, You know, ice hockey does it, goes to center ice, but, you know, then the play continues. But possession of the ball is huge in the game of lacrosse. And possession of the ball comes from face-off. And there are um, athletes, lacrosse players, that are known as FOGOs. So they are face-off, face-off, get-off. That is their entire role. They, they go to camps. They go to clinics just to do – they end up going to college on scholarship just to do face-offs. And uh, Bishop Girton's got the best face-off guy. I was going to say, I will, I will tell you, I'm, I'm very familiar with face-off guys. Uh, my nephew uh, currently plays for Keene State, and he's a sophomore at Keene State right now, and was recruited and uh, became a scholarship athlete based on his face-off uh, skills. And uh, he, is the, he is the face-off guy. He does, he's not a, he's not a, a Hugo guy. Because uh, he plays, uh, he's a very good goal scorer as well. But uh, his faceoff, his, his faceoff percentage is uh, one of the tops in his conference right now. So you can get recruited by faceoffs for all you cross players out there. Again, that's absolutely what they do is they they use a particular stick. They take the faceoff, win it, throw it, and run off and get a different stick. Talking to the coaches on Wednesday, um, BG faceoff man dominated the game so bg had the ball more than exeter had the ball and so you know that's one of the, that's something they it's not a surprise to anybody i'm not telling you top secret here um that's something they got to figure out uh but bg and exeter look like the top two teams uh pinkerton is uh you know in that third spot and they're down a little from where they uh usually are brian o'reilly is stepped out and a new fellow's there and he's doing a great job. Uh, and they're, they're very, very good defensively and they're sort of still figuring out the offensive piece of it. Uh, but they'll be there. Uh, and then South natural South Londonderry, Bedford, you know, there's a bunch of teams in there that can play a little bit. Now, have you, are you officiating girls games as well? No, different rules. Oh, okay. Soccer is great. Soccer, same rules, same concept, same book, same everything. Uh, women's lacrosse, you know, they don't have on helmets. Uh, there's a whole thing with uh, airspace in your bubble, and you can't get a stick in it and free, and you can't. They're two completely different 
uh, rules. Very, very different games. Okay. I did not know that. Okay. A fun sport to watch. I went up and watched one of the early games during the uh, spring break. Uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be an interesting uh, end of the season. Now, Sam, they've announced the playoffs, correct? They have. Uh, the, the, the playoff uh, calendar is out for spring sports. And uh, we'll, we can talk about baseball and softball a little later. But while we're on lacrosse, you need to circle your calendar for these dates because in Exeter, Exeter will be the hub of boys lacrosse and girls lacrosse uh, in June. Uh, or I should say, uh, yeah, yeah, all the games are in June. But in Division One, the semifinals will be played at Bill Ball Stadium on Wednesday, June 8th at 5 and 7 o'clock. And in Division Two, well, I'll just check that in Division One. The semifinals will be at Bill Ball Stadium, Division One, five and seven. But the key date is going to be Sunday, June twelfth. Sunday, June twelfth will be Super Sunday for boys lacrosse, and it will be held in Exeter because the Division Three final will be at two thirty. The Division Two final will be at five o'clock. And the Division One final that we've got our fingers crossed that Exeter will be there will be at 7.30 on Sunday, June 12th. So that's a key date to circle your calendars on. Over on the girls lacrosse side, uh, Bill Ball Stadium will host the Division One semifinals on June 4th at 5 and 7. And they will host the Division One girls final on June 7th at 7 o'clock. So uh, both boys and girls finals action coming up. But that game, that day, Sunday, June 12th, that's a big, big day. A couple of quick things I was thinking. So Matty Brewster, um, you know, when the process they interviewed and they announced he was going to do it, um, I had a quick reaction because Matty Brewster was an outstanding high school athlete at Merrimack High School. Uh, his senior year, he was one of the top ice hockey goaltenders in the state uh, at Merrimack. He was outstanding. You know, they said the name and I went, oh, wow, because he was very, very good. But he went on to uh, play college lacrosse, I believe, at Sacred Heart and had, had a nice career and is involved in the uh, club. And uh, every the word, you know, Jerry had a great program and, and laid the foundation. But um, Matt's done a great job and, and seems like a great fit to the uh, coaching staff over there at Exeter High School. The other thing seems like we're on the seacoast and we're talking about uh, lacrosse, uh, I think the, perhaps the top division two team in the state is the Clippers over at Portsmouth. Seems like we're a Seacoast show here. Um, uh, Chad Vischer's got, you know, they, uh, they won it last year, um, but uh, they look like the cream of the crop right now. Winter Cunnets, Winter Cunnets in that conversation. They're very, very good, very, very athletic, very, very well coached. Uh, and I think they'll be heard from um, but, uh, I, I think perhaps the top two, uh, division two teams are in the Seacoast as well this year when it kind of in Portsmouth. Jim, I wanted to just talk, just shift gears a little bit here. This has been certainly been a year for transition as far as, uh, blue Hawk sports are concerned. Uh, you stepping down as hockey and soccer coach replaced by Paul DeMariano, um, Kevin McQueen stepping down as baseball coach and Bruce Joyce stepping in. And now the boys and girls lacrosse programs changing Jerry Hawley leaving after uh, years of success at Exeter. Um, 
what are, what are those challenges of those young coaches stepping up and stepping into the shoes of, quote, legends like you and Holly and Kevin McQueen? Well, sort of forget about us because, you know, we, we all had fun and we all had a lot of success and it was, it was great and, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But I think it's, it's kind of a new wave of really capable young coaches. Uh, and, and that's, you know, people say, do you miss it? Do you miss it? And absolutely you miss it. But, you know, to have Danny Curran step in and take over the soccer program and have, you know, just great success right off the bat. And Paul DiMarino, you know, two, three great seasons, finally kind of got that over the hump a little bit, got to that semifinal in his third season in the ice hockey uh, Bruce Joyce, you know, really capable, um, not quite as young, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's going to have to owe me for that, that comment. <laughs> and now Brady Brewster. So, you know, I look at, uh, we had, I say to people all the time, people say, how does Exeter have so many good sports across the board? And, and it's, um, coaching consistency. You know, Billy been there for we. I was there for um, for a long time. Um, um, Queen was there for a long time. Holmesy's now there. Uh, people go there and stay because it's such a great school, such a great environment, such a great expectations. And you know, so Billy, um, you know, in his later years here, is developing the next group of. Of you know, and I was just talking about the guys, but um, you know, you, you, Deb Grot in, in that program, and uh, Megan Young, who exceeds us all. Uh, coaches go there and stay, and, and Billy is doing a great job of finding that next wave of coaches that are going to be there and have the success that we had. And, and it's just, it's such a great place to be. And the foundation is such, so well-established uh, and the expectations and these guys are doing a great job. Both sides of the gender, are just great coaches that really enjoy what they're doing and get the best out of kids. And so now you haven't quite seen that turnover yet in the women's program as much, but in the men's program, you're right. Now you've got, Danny and Paul and Bruce and Maddie Brewster now. And I can see those guys being there for a while and maybe exceeding our success. What I take away from what I've seen over the years, and and, and I know I go back uh, way back with Kevin McQueen when, when he was starting at Exeter uh, and, and with obviously the football with Bill Ball and, and basketball, Jeff Holmes, all you coaches built a program. And, and, and you just didn't leave spare parts along the side of the road that somebody had to try to rebuild the car or, or, or program out of Matt Brewster. Good example. Um, any, any of the coaches that have taken over, they had something solid. Jerry Holly left Matt a, a real solid foundation to work with. Sure. There's going to be some differences in, in philosophies or, or strategies or whatever. We've seen it. Sam and I have seen it at UNH, uh, uh, the big change in football, the UNH Wildcats. Uh, matter of fact, when I was up at, at uh, Bill Ball Stadium, somebody came up to me and said, what do you think about the Wildcats this season? And I said, Rick Santos 
has got his act together. He's got a great program that Coach Mack gave him. All he has to do is tweak it, do what he wants with it, and he will. And I think they're going to be fine. Everything is going to be fine. It's going to be, uh, it's not a rebuilding program. And that's the key. You guys left a good foundation. And that's that's what I'm seeing in, in especially the Blue Hawk Nation. And, and I think the other piece, and it, and it speaks to Billy, is the, the mutual respect amongst the fraternity of coaches. I mean, I said to people all the time, Deb Grott and I would share the, the facility for practice. Megan Young and I shared a field for practice for 20 years. Billy and I would sometimes practice on the same field at the same time. I'm not sure that's happening everywhere. You know, the, the, the football coach and, the, and we all, we all help, you know, Jeff would help me with things and I would help Jeff and we shared athletes and, and had that mutual respect between every, didn't matter if it was gender, it was all the sports were equal and were important and the coaches respected each other and that trickles down to kids. And I, I, I remember we were at a scrimmage. We went to Manchester West in the early 2000s, mid aughts, as you call it. And we were going to play West soccer um, in a scrimmage. And the football team was practicing and they should have gotten off. The time was up and it was our time. And finally, the soccer coach went over and spoke to the football coach who just was insulting and inappropriate. And my kids were mad. They were, and their initial reaction was that would not happen at Exeter High School because of the mutual respect amongst coaches that all of the programs were important and they were a piece of the educational experience at Exeter High School. And that comes from Nick Sokol, Mike Monahan, um, Bill Ball, and, and, Again, there's your foundation. The takeaway for me was that you see that the kids, I think you used the phrase, have bought into the idea that you, you can do more than one sport now. And there are multi-sport athletes out there. Uh, and, and they get something from each coach. There's something that they take away from each coach, uh, whether it was playing hockey for you or soccer with you, um, basketball for Jeff. You know, there's, there's that give and take. Sam, we, you brought up a, another successful coach and program that's rolling along. Uh, let's give the uh, girls softball their due. They're rolling right along as well. So uh, you've got other sports that have been going on this spring. Let's talk about them. Okay, well, the, let's go to softball. Uh, where Kristen Morissette's squad, uh, you know, seem to be doing it with uh, pitching, defense, and timely hitting. Uh, they're getting all three things done. And, uh, yeah, they suffered their first loss recently. but. Uh, Again, again, those are those are learning learning uh, uh, events for these uh, young athletes, and uh, I think uh, Exeter will be there at the end when we get to uh, softball standings. Uh, nice articles on uh, Kristen Beebe and Annie Christiana uh, in the uh, Seacoast Online uh, this week, highlighting those two young ladies, and so uh, that's going to be a team to watch. Now, over on the baseball side where we uh, were talking about Bruce Joyce taking over the program from Kevin McQueen. Um, Exodus pitching staff seems to be the real foundation there. They've got some hurlers on that squad. They're at six and two, uh, currently in fourth place, tied with Nashua South at six and two, uh, looking up at Pinkerton and Portsmouth, who are both undefeated, uh, 10 and 0 and 9 and 0, respectively. So uh, 
uh, watching the the whole stretch here in baseball and softball is going to be really interesting. And uh, Kristen uh, Morissette, uh, she's been in that program, as you mentioned. She doesn't want to mention how many years, but a long time and uh, has a successful program that, again, just keeps rebuilding. And uh, this year, those two uh, players you mentioned that were in the article among a real solid staff that she's got that she can depend on. And, uh, and you know, they, they, one thing I took away from that article was that they realized they lost the focus in the game they did lose, but it's a motivator to just keep focused, go for the prize, which is obviously getting into the championship game and, and see what happens. So, And do we have dates on that? Did you have the dates on the softball? Yeah, on the softball, uh, the Division One softball semifinals will be at Plymouth State, as it's traditionally at Plymouth State. Uh, that's going to be on uh, June 8th, and the finals will be at Plymouth State on June 11th in Division One. And on the baseball side, um, the Division One semifinals will be on June 8th at Holman Stadium in Nashua. And again, as traditionally uh, held on June 11th, the final will be at Northeast Delta Dental in Manchester. There you go. There you go. Speaking of, speaking of Kristen, uh, sometime in the last month, uh, Kristen was a union, was uh, received a union leader, recognizes some of the top coaches in the state. So Walter Smith Coaches Hall of Fame. And uh, Kristen was one of the recipients uh, to go into that with the union leader, uh, along with some other uh, outstanding people. But uh, great honor for, for Chris and uh, well, well deserved. She's got a great group, and you're you're highlighting uh, BB and Christiana, but uh, Summer Leclaire uh, hit for the cycle the other day, uh, which is something that's kind of rare in both baseball and softball. So uh, um, they're doing a great job, and you're talking about the pitching staff. You know, they've gotten some great pitchers, and one of their top pitchers is uh, Parker Lundrum, who's headed to uh, Snoo. Uh, and he's got an injury and hasn't even pitched yet this year. So uh, I sort of got him hoping to come back before the season's over. So uh, both those teams are really doing a great job. And Sam, do you have anything on the tennis? Because I know the boy, the boys' tennis program is doing well, but the girls are really rolling along. Yeah, sure. The girls, the girls' tennis program um, is certainly uh, up there. They're currently ranked third in the state. Uh, Derry Field is 9-0. Dover's eight and zero, but then there's the Exeter girls tennis team standing there at seven and one, followed by Central and Hanover at six and two. So uh, they're they're going to uh, be there at the end uh, when the playoff uh, seedings are handed out. Um, on the boys' side, Exeter needs to get it going here in the last couple of weeks. They're at three and four, so they're going to try to get above five hundred as they go down the stretch here uh, with Hanover and Bedford being the top teams in division one boys tennis. Um, and as far as the tournament is concerned, a lot of different tennis dates are around because there's an individual tournament in the state. And then there's a team tennis tournament in the state. Well, let's shift gears. Uh, as we do every program, we get into the, the regional scene. Uh, let's uh give a take of what you're seeing in the playoffs for both the NBA and the NHL coach Tufts. Let's start off with your favorite, the NHL. <laughs> I think the Bruins in trouble. Uh, Carolina is bigger, stronger, and faster. Uh, and uh, I think that, I think they'll go with Swayman uh, next time round, but I'm not sure the results going to change any. I, 
the Bruins, I enjoy watching the Bruins. We're on all, all the time here at this house, but uh, they're aging. And uh, Carolina looks pretty tough. One of the things that sort of texting with some of my fellow coaches, one of the real highlights of the NHL playoffs this year have been the uh, scoring. Uh, there's no many, not many one nothing games. Uh, you know, you had uh, um, uh, Tampa and Toronto. You know, uh, Toronto absolutely waxed Tampa in the first game, five nothing. Uh, but uh, Tampa came back and scored, I think, eight goals last night. Uh, so you know, the the scoring is. Really, I would not want to be a goaltender in this NHL uh, as it as it is right now, which is. Well, there was there was an overtime there was an overtime game the other day that the goalie had seventy nine saves, and that's not even the that's not even the and he lost. And, he <laughs> lost. <laughs> uh, and, and it was kind of interesting because, again, talking local, so um, Shosturkin for the Rangers made seventy nine saves, but in the other end was Casey DeSmith from Rochester, New Hampshire. Yeah, uh, you know it's been kind of fun to watch the Pittsburgh Bruins games because. Uh, You've had uh, Jeremy Swayman from UMaine in one end and uh, Casey DeSmith from Rochester in UNH. So it's been a UNH-UMaine uh, battle the last two times those guys have played. So, um, you know, it's it, it, it's been great hockey and it's going to be great hockey all the way down. For me, I don't want to be I don't want to be the team that gets in front of the freight train that's known as the Colorado Avalanche because I, I think they are not. I think they are the team to beat this year, and I think they will be uh, holding the cup at the end of the season. Colorado is, but unfortunately, they have really stumbled in the playoffs, and uh, it'll be interesting because they've got uh, Bobovsky, who's had has lifted the cup before, uh, is now their number one, and I think that's going to solidify them a little bit. But I, I won't be surprised to see. I won't be surprised to see Florida. And Toronto battle it in the East with Carolina there as well. Um, and uh, I think Edmonton's going to give Colorado a run in the West. And so, and again, all high scoring. I think they're going to be, you know, Edmonton, Colorado is going to be a, you know, seven, six <laughs> and Florida, Toronto could be very similar. So, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be, I think, I think there's some very, very good hockey teams and they're going to be high scoring matches. Shifting to the NBA, uh, it was a cakewalk for the Celtics over the Nets, but now uh, it, it could be tough in their second round and, and, and to proceed further. So give us your take. Well, I, I think in the, I think, I think Miami and the Celtics would be a wonderful Eastern Conference semifinal if that were to happen. Miami, Milwaukee will be good as well. Um, over on the Western side, though, it looks like it's heading for a Golden State Phoenix final over in the West. But I'll tell you, watching those Memphis Grizzlies and a player by the name of Ja Morant is a lot of fun. Uh, that that uh, that young man has got a future in the league. He's going to be fun to watch for years. And Sam, you had uh, something you wanted to ask the coach about. And uh, well, it's a good time to bring that up. Oh, sure. Jim, as, as we turn the calendar to June, I always think about uh, the uh, the annual uh, Special Olympic Games. Um, can you give us an update on Special Olympics in New Hampshire? Sure. Sure. So we're we're back in we're back in practice. 
Uh, all the teams are practicing. And I would say that um, the, the result of the last two years being under the umbrella of COVID is we're slow to come out. Um, so sometimes I have 50 athletes, I have 30 athletes. Um, New Market sometimes has a dozen athletes. They have four athletes. Uh, and there are several teams that seem to be missing. But we've been in Exeter. We've been practicing since April 1, uh, twice a week uh, with 30 plus athletes and uh, 40 high school kids supporting them and, and peer coaches. Um, the norm is that there are each May five area meets in New Hampshire. Exeter hosting one, Central, Monadnock, North Country. Um, and that leads into the June state games at UNH. And this spring coming back into action, um, there are going to be two area games, uh, one on Sunday, well, they're actually both same day. On Sunday, May 22nd, Exeter will host uh, one half of the state and Concord will host the other half of the state. Uh, and those will be the only meets this spring. We are not going to have a large gathering at UNH in June. Um, so um, we will host an event. It's at, Ex it's at Exeter High School on the track. Anybody who's looking for something to do, um, it takes me somewhere between 60 and 80 volunteers to run that meet. Um, and again, I'm soliciting help from people that haven't been involved. The last meet we had was May of 19. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we're looking forward to it. The kids are excited. We will host the uh, Seacoast plus a few others uh, meet on Sunday, May 22nd from 8 till about 1 o'clock. Uh, on the facility at Exeter High School. We're really excited. So if people want to, if people want to volunteer, how do they get in touch with you? They, they can do it through, I'm still on the SAU website. So jtufts at sau16.org. Uh, they've let me continue that because of my involvement in Special Olympics. But if they, if they can't figure that out, show up on May 22nd. We'll find a, a supporting task that they will have Anybody that comes to those events then says to me, when's the next one? <laughs> because it's, it's such an enjoyable experience. Well, two-minute drill time. Uh, gentlemen, um, I don't know. Sam, do you want the coach to go first or do you want to go first? Yes, yeah, because I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant. All right, coach, uh, two-minute drill time for you. <laughs> it's great to have kids back out there competing. Um, you know, it's great to – to be on the field with the lacrosse kids, to be on the track with the Special Olympics kids, uh, to, to be able to watch baseball and softball uh, and, and have and, and know they're going to be tournament games, that they're going to be at neutral sites, um, that uh, UNH is competing, that, that stadiums are packed and you can watch hockey and and NHL and NBA playoff games um, with everybody there. And we're, and we're getting back to um, kids being kids and, and 
being able to compete and be able to have graduations and be able to have award ceremonies um, that uh, that we're 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 back into the expectations and life as we know it. And um, I've enjoyed that. And I know the kids I've been involved with have enjoyed that. Amen to that. Amen. Sam, now you got, uh, we've been forewarned. It's, a, it's going to be a, a rant. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I've got a, I've got a micro rant and a macro rant. Okay. Okay. The, the, the micro rant is the Yankees win 11 games in a row and the Red Sox are eight games out of first place in the East, and it's only the second week of May. Um, I'm tired of John Henry and Sam Kennedy and Hyam Bloom telling me we like our team. How can you like a team that has a bullpen like the Red Sox has have like right now and a pitching staff that they can't figure out who's pitching from day to day and pitchers who don't get vaccinated? Now, I, I've got a real problem with – you know, poor Alex Cora, he is stuck in a mess right now because he can't find a closer right now. Uh, he's got Matt Barnes, uh, can't do a thing. Uh, they go in, they haven't won an extra inning game uh, at all uh, during this season so far. And they've got guys like Diekman and Saramora and all these retread guys that are just in there right now. I mean, as Dan Shaughnessy says in the Globe, we are now the Tampa Bay Red Sox. Uh, they're not spending any money that they, they didn't go out and get any players. And they're, they're trying to tell me that this is a good team and they're not a good team right now. And things have better turn around really fast, uh, and, uh, try to get something going, uh, with that pitching staff right now, because the Red Sox are in big trouble on a macro viewpoint, going to stay with baseball. How can we watch baseball games when you're a team and you have 27 outs and traditionally, almost every single game, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 strikeouts of those of those 27 outs. Uh, how can that continue right now? On the other hand, you've got guys swinging for the fences on every pitch, knowing that they have to hit a home run to up their pay. You've got umpires right now that are not calling strikes. And so hitters are at a disadvantage. So there's no offense. You've got almost every game going under the total that is projected uh, for that game because no runs are being scored. Uh, the debate right now on the macro is, do you bring in robotic umpires? Do you get rid of the regular guys and bring in the robotic umpires? I'm thinking that if you want to get the offense up in the game right now, you have to bring in the robotic umpires because the hitters right now are at such a disadvantage. So again, haven't made a decision right now which way to go on that. You know, it's a chicken or the egg kind of thing. What's causing the problem in baseball right now? But they've got to get it s squared away. And then uh, there's the baseball, the baseball, Sam. Oh, is, yeah. Is the, 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 the baseball itself? The humidors, you know? Yeah. You know? Well, I heard a report the other day that they're still using baseballs from last year that are not the same baseballs that they're going to use in the second half of the year. And they were saying, a pitcher was saying the other day, he could get a different baseball within the same inning that yeah. has a different feel to it than the right. one he just threw. Right. But I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad for the pitchers because they're getting all those strikeouts because the hitters just want to hit home runs right now. 
Right. And then they, but it, sometimes they hit it and it just doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. We've seen a lot of balls die in the warning track this season. My two minute drill, it's going to be real simple. Uh, we talked about it last program. Uh, it's coming together, hopefully in a couple of weeks, maybe, or, or very soon. Uh, we're going to do a running show. Uh, talk to my friend, Steve Burroughs. He's on board. Bob Glowacki, our producer, he'll be part of it. And I'm looking uh, to get a couple of guests on. Uh, one in particular, I didn't realize uh, I graduated from Exeter High School with, uh, who has a, a, a running business of sorts. So we'll uh, we'll be talking to him, hopefully, and getting him on board. So that'll be uh, in the future. And the other thing is, we're going to be uh, tweaking the site a little bit. Uh, you'll be able to go soon to Seacoast Sports Forum on our our own YouTube page. That's coming soon. Coach Tufts, you did a great job for filling us in on a sport that uh, it was a Jesuit missionary in Canada in 1637 that came up with lacrosse. There you go. For Coach Jim Tufts and Sam Bruno, I'm Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seaco Sports Forum.